are you ready to get cooking? Yeah. Count me in. All you need are the right ingredients. Interviews. Home Cooks. and every day. Crazy people. What a lovely meal. Welcome to JJ Jackson's Food Tips. The basics and beyond. The gourmet kitchen is indispensable. Now, now, now. JJ Jackson. Wow, JJ. Well, first off, we have a lot of good times on this show. This is all about the good life and enjoying great food, wonderful wine, incomparable home cooks, awesome chefs, great interviews, and terrific friends. Food Tips The Basics and Beyond is a fast-paced lifestyle show that's fun and funny. Anything that relates to food service, home goods, restaurants, getaways, conferences, exhibits, vacation spots, just about anything that helps make life more enjoyable. Count on learning a few things and enjoying every minute of it. This is Steve Hart in Australia, and you're listening to the worldwide podcast, Food Tips, The Basics and Beyond, with your host, JJ Jackson. And in food news, news. time for food news. Food news. On Food Tips, The Basics and Beyond. News is good food for your mind. Got more kitchen food hacks for you today? Drop chip-sized slices of fresh cucumber into leftover pickle brine in the jar and store in the refrigerator for a few days to make crunchy, quick pickles. You can also drop in other vegetables like green beans, garlic, carrots, or radishes. For best results, you can parboil these veggies before pickling to speed up the process. That's a good one. When you're measuring thick, sticky ingredients like honey, maple syrup, molasses, corn syrup, agave, Nutella, or peanut butter, spray your measuring cups with non-stick cooking spray first to make the ingredients slip right out. Here's a vacuum sealer hack without using a vacuum sealer. Use a straw to suck out excess air in a zip top bag and voila, you are your own vacuum sealer. Removing the air from storage bags protects the food better and helps it last a little bit longer. Now, you might not want to use that trick if you're sealing up a bag of raw meat. Ew! Or, you know, just be extra careful. I got Dean Fisher on the phone. He was on one of our episodes of Food Tips, The Basics and Beyond. He does site selection and hotel contracting with meetings made easy. Dean, what's going on in Vegas right now, man? Oh, brother, I just got done looking at the Legion Stadium for the last 11 days on this most spectacular Las Vegas Strip. That's awesome, man. Uh, How long are you going to be around there? I just wrapped up a conference uh, for one of my clients where I support their uh, operations. For about 16,000 people, it was hosted at Mandalay Bay and MGM. So wow. I'm wrapping it up today and heading out of town. Yeah, it was a big week. And now, I, I've been at the uh, Mandalay Bay before for a conference, and it was a national conference. There's so much space in that place. It's an airport, a city within a city. It's crazy. Yeah, no doubt. They just done a great renovation there. And the, uh, the telescope and... And the way they've adjusted the hotel for the comfort of the guests is amazing. They've really positioned themselves well as one of the foremost dimension hotels in the world. <laughs> I got married at that hotel, so or, or around it anyway. <laughs> oh, a little chapel of the West over there? Actually, I went to the little white wedding chapel. It was uh, the, mm-hmm. week, the week after Brittany Spears got married there. 
and got annulled. <laughs> That's awesome, right in the record books. So tell us about a couple of cool places to go in Vegas. Where are the coolest places to go in Vegas right now? Wow, well, I mean, I got to say, this week, last weekend was amazing at the Allegiant Stadium. Beyonce had a concert there where I think half of the world showed up for it. Wow. And it was just incredible to watch everybody get dressed up and enjoy this event. Katy Perry and Sting were last night over at the... Uh, mobile and that's an amazing venue as well well i gotta say if you're looking for a couple of cool places there's some really neat speakeasies in las vegas like the golden tiki here kitty kitty is a really cool place there's a, a the barber shop over at uh, cosmo secret pizza i mean there's so many cool things to just explore in las vegas strip it's, it's really at its pinnacle right now yeah speakeasies have become hot over the last uh, several years, so I would imagine Vegas is premier with that stuff. It's, it's really fitting into the age scope, you know I mean? That 30-plus-year-old doesn't necessarily want to sit in a show for two hours, and the nightclub scene's kind of getting played out a little bit. So this whole idea of the interactive ability of visiting a few places in one evening and enjoying the town, not necessarily the hotel, is kind of a new direction of Las Vegas. Yeah, and you know, that whole Disneyland atmosphere uh, kind of ties into that as well. You know, there's a day when you're going to want to spend it like that. There's probably a day where you want to be at the pool, and then well, some people go 24-7. Well, I, you know, I'll give you a little throw-out to the Luxor. I ended up staying there. I was housed there for the week, and I spent the afternoon at the pool yesterday on the last day. And it's a really great environment. You don't have to stay at the highest end hotel in Las Vegas to have a great time. There's really awesome conference space at a lot of different hotels that have the same amenities and the same comforts with a little better price. People want to get a hold of you. Can you just uh, give out what your information is real quick? Yeah, absolutely. The easiest way to reach me is on LinkedIn. Look me up as Dean Fisher or email me at Fisher at meetings. ME.com. Awesome, man. Thanks for the update. I really appreciate it, Dino. I look forward to the next one, brother. I'll be in the Bahamas next month. Whoa, let's do it. You got it. Hi, this is Brady McGraw at Q105.3, WRHQ.com in Savannah, Georgia. And you're listening to the Worldwide Podcast, Food Tips, The Basics and Beyond, with your host, J.J. Jackson. It's so delicious. And here he is now from Q105.3 Mornings in Savannah. It's uh, Brady McGraw. Hey, Brady. Hey, JJ. How you doing, my friend? I'm doing great. Now, before we get started, uh, well, we're going to get started. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, We've known each other since 19, maybe 73, something like that. Yeah, 73, back in Athens, Georgia, WRFC, yeah. And and when I started moving around in radio all over the place, what you did is you went to Savannah and you stayed in Savannah uh, since 1975. Is that right? Hey, that's right. But see, the difference between you and I is uh, you, you found people who would hire you. I only found one guy who would hire me. So <laughs> you, you I've found, been stuck here ever since. <laughs> you found the best guy, Jerry Rogers. <laughs> <laughs> I've been very fortunate and lucky to uh, be in the same market for all these years, you know, because uh, people get used to you and uh, uh, they overlook some of your shortcomings. So uh, I've survived, <laughs> you know. And and that's yeah that's one guy and what two separate stations? Uh, well, actually, it, it uh, has been involved with three. I first came here and worked at uh, WSGA, which the which was the AM Top Forty station, and then it evolved into the FM station, 
which was WZAT Z102, which went top 40. And I ended up being program director of both of those at one point and, and uh, ended up doing mornings on Z102 and then left radio for a while and uh, uh, actually moved to Atlanta and came back after three years. And uh, Jerry had put on another radio station, his own station, uh, uh, WRHQ, Q105.3. Almost unheard and, of to do something like that, you know, <laughs> especially at the time. It yeah. was like there, were, there weren't, weren't any single owners. Right. And uh, this was 1990. And uh, when he put it on the air and in 2001, uh, I got back uh, on the radio doing mornings there and I've been there ever since. Gosh, that's just uh, incredible to be able to stay in a place for that long, even though you moved away once. I mean, I, I've, I've done that four and five times. <laughs> so. Well, the, the, the great thing is Savannah is such a great place to live and everything. And my wife's family is here. And so uh, it's, it's just ideal for us, you know. Yeah, that per- you, you kind of grew up on a farm, didn't you? Well, it was in middle Georgia, uh, outside of Sandersville, Georgia, uh, which is kind of between Macon and Augusta. Right. And it was a rural area. And, uh, you know, it, it was kind of a lucky circumstance for me at the time because uh, there was a local radio station and uh, uh, they were more open to having people who were inexperienced to, to uh, come and work for them. So I actually got started in radio when I was in the ninth grade, 14 years old at the local radio station. Amazing. And, uh, <laughs> you know, I was able to do everything uh, from, uh, uh, you know, doing shows and, and it was a, what they called block programming back in those days with different types of or different genres of music from top 40 to, country and western to gospel easy listening you name it you know yeah, yeah. and um, so you know i had experience work uh, running football games like georgia football and falcons football and all those things and so when i went to uh, uh, georgia transferred to georgia uh, i was uh, able to find employment because not so much as being a disc jockey, but I was able to read news and I was able to run Georgia football. And oh, stuff yeah, you could do, do everything. You, I mean, you could do engineering, whatever needed to be done. I mean, sand down a relay and make that mic come on. You could have done all that stuff. <laughs> well, in, in, in really small town radio, you have to do it all. You know, so I, I have really valuable experience going in and it's it's paid off. You uh, like to cook about as much as I do. I mean, and you do so many things. You're you're a real big fan of outdoor cooking, and you also have a talent for uh, bringing cast iron skillets that have been mistreated back to life, and any kind of cast iron. Well, yeah, you know, uh, we uh, had started doing outdoor cooking because we we took a class at uh, a local uh, uh, facility called. Uh, Olin Island Wildlife Center, they ordered, uh, they uh, offered a class in outdoor cooking. We got interested in doing open fire cooking where, you, you know, you hang Dutch ovens over the fire, you cook in skillets and so forth and uh, learn how to use them. And um, my son uh, uh, had, had experience using uh, electrolysis to uh, remove rust from tools and stuff. And uh, he knew I was interested in cast iron. And so 
he put together an electrolysis tank, which uh, actually will remove uh, rust from cast iron. I've actually and seen so this thing. I was, I mean, I was at your house, yes. and I, I, I mean, it's like a big thing of liquid. And uh, you wouldn't think you'd want to put any kind of electricity in there, but that's the way it works. Yeah, it, it's like a big 30-gallon trash can with two uh, iron electrodes on either side of it. And you hook a uh, essentially a, a car battery charger or, or a car battery to it. And uh, you suspend the cast iron into the, the water, which is uh, uh, basically water and baking soda. And uh, it pulls the rust off onto these anodes, which are hanging on either side. And uh, so it, it cleans it up that way. Uh, another process that we use is, especially if, if you have cast iron with a lot of baked on grease and food and so forth, is a lye bath. By You know, you, you buy lye like a plumber would use to clean your drain with. Right, right. And uh, you mix it with water and uh, uh, you... Uh, you put your cast iron into that and it dissolves all of the organic material on uh, the cast iron. So it cleans that off. And uh, uh, if the piece has any rust on it, then the electrolysis tank will remove the rust. And, and then after you've got it all cleaned off, you season it in the oven uh, by, by uh, putting uh, some cooking oil on it or, uh, ideally, something like Crisco uh, that has a high fat content. There's actually uh, uh, a product made for seasoning cast iron called Crispy. And uh, I use that and uh, uh, put the uh, cast iron into the, uh, into the oven uh, and let it bake at 375 for an hour and then take it out, wipe it clean and do it all over again for two or three times. And you've got to a seasoned piece. And I was uh, thankful when I was there that you gifted me a piece that I, of course I have no idea how old the cast iron was, uh, it, but it had been mistreated and you brought it back to life. And I use that thing now for everything from uh, dropping it on uh, a pellet smoker and s smoking items in the cast iron and then firing it at, and, and getting a finish on it. It's just, it's the most amazing thing. And the reason why I, I never got, I, I got cast iron one time. And when I got it, I mistreated it. I left it outside and it was like, I, I didn't know what to do with it then. But to, you've taught yeah. me a lot about that. Well, you know, that's, that's what happens with a lot of people that uh, maybe inherit some cast iron from their parents or grandparents that it may be uh, in not the best of shape and they don't know what to do with it. Uh, but the, the thing is, never give up on it. You can always uh, learn to clean it up yourself or have someone do it for you. And, uh, you know, you can learn how to do everything on YouTube. But there are lessons on how to how to clean up cast iron on YouTube using uh, the live bath and uh, electrolysis and all that stuff. And although it may sound a bit complicated, it's really very easy to do. You just uh, uh, have to have the interest in doing it and the space and time to do it. And uh, uh, the, the thing that most people don't understand is uh, how to season it well. And a lot of people, after they cook with it or something, uh, maybe don't re-season it well before putting it up. And that's something that you have to do, which is really very simple. By And it doesn't take, take that a, long. It, it really is not that uh, hard. Yeah. No, uh, you, you know, take a, power, uh, a paper towel with uh, 
a little uh, cooking oil on it and just a light bit and, and go over the surface with it and then wipe it and dry it out and you're ready to go for the next time. That's amazing. If uh, if some people wanted to like uh, contact you about how you like season cast iron and stuff like that, would that be okay? Sure, that's fine. That'd be great. Uh, uh, what's the email that they can get to you with? Well, uh, you can email me, Brady McGraw, B-R-A-D-Y-M-C-G-R-A-W at yahoo.com. That's awesome. Uh, Brady, thanks for your time. Hey, my pleasure. Thanks for the opportunity. Do you know anything about wine? Anything about I wine? think I know somebody who does. Time for Super Wine Guy, Michael Gallant. Oh, yeah. He knows wine. He knows. Yes. He knows. The original wine connoisseur. He's been to France. Whether you're looking for good deals on great wine or great deals on good wine, stand by for more food tips, the basics, and beyond. Michael Gallant. I love those things with my wine. Michael, how you doing? Good, Jay. What's going on? Let's jump into this wine. That sounds like a good plan. So uh, all the years we've been uh, drinking wine, you and I, I am not sure we've ever... Uh, tasted for the show in one form or another, uh, a New Zealand Sauvignon Blanc. I I can't remember. Yeah, I mean, and we, I mean, I literally can't remember yeah. anything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay, we're we're both uh, showing our age today. So, um, but this is um, New Zealand is as you know is a relatively small wine country, wine region, but they become very well known for Sauvignon Blanc and to a lesser extent Pinot Noir over the last number of years, and. You know, let's call it 20 years that they've really begun to develop a reputation for Sauvignon Blanc. And uh, what they've done is just continued on that. The okay. quality, they, they, they still, they make a fair amount. There's a lot of kind of reasonably priced 10 to $12 brands. But they've there's been a number of kind of mid-level and more expensive ones that have really improved the quality. It's an interesting grape. We'll talk a little more about that. But And this is a, a producer called... Um, Smith and Shesh, and they're from New Zealand, from Marlborough, which is one of the two, the two islands, basically. And this is their 21 uh, Cru, C-R-U, Sauvignon Blanc. Under screw cap, as most of, I, I'm not sure I've seen a New Zealand Sauvignon Blanc that wasn't under screw cap. Anymore. Really? Yeah. yeah. They really embrace the technology. And for a wine like this that relies very heavily on crispness, and fruit character and everything, screw cap works really well. So, so let's get this so, really romantic sound of. Uh, are they doing that with the pinots as well now? With the screw yeah, cap? most yeah. of the pinots yeah. too. Some of the I've seen some pinots under um, under uh, cork, but they they like this technology. They've tested extensively. It works really well for them. They've upgraded. I don't know if you know if you can tell. This is a, a slightly higher quality. Um, closure. It's a. It is a screw cap, but it's a better, you know, quality. It's a. It's more of a solid piece. It has a more substantial kind of top piece. And um, oh yeah, this is. I mean, it is. This is a typical throwaway type cap, but yeah, at the same absolutely. time, it's very bendable. But yeah, it's it, it's probably better than some of the ones I've yeah, seen. Yeah, the technology for this has gone a long way over the last number of years, and so they they really have improved the quality of it. Um, of this closure, uh, it's again, it's easier to open now. You know, people are, are having a good time with it. So, so Sauvignon Blanc, and we've drank some Sauvignon Blancs on the show. Matter of fact, we did one 
um, in the first group of podcasts, the Bogle Sauvignon the Blanc, which we which I love, which we liked yeah. quite a bit, yeah. and it's California, um, really well done. You see some Sauvignon Blanc, really nice ones from France, Saint Serre, um, and, and some other places there that do very well with Sauvignon Blanc, and so. Uh, but New Zealand's been the kind of the king. Now, my issue with Sauvignon Blanc sometimes in these places is the acidity. There's a lot of acidity in some of these. And I've had some of them that the first sip, I go, yeah, I don't really want to have any more of it. It's just too... Filled your mouth too, up Yeah, with too it. much acid. It really kind of shuts down your taste mm-hmm. buds. So this one, again, this is the second time I think I've had this wine. So let me give it a taste here. But I, my recollection was it was broader... The acidity is there, but it's well tamed, right? Right. Which is which is what you got to do with something. Great nose, really a fabulous <laughs> nose. I'm catching uh, uh, on the on the oh, flavor is is like a, a really blended taste. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Is it's not, it's very multi dimensional, especially for this grape variety that can be very one dimensional. Um, for me, lots of tropical. Fruit flavors mm-hmm. in it, pineapple, I'm getting and pineapple. guava, and um, a little grapefruit, um, papaya, grapefruit. Definitely, I always get a lot of that. Mm. And, and it's but multi-dimensional. That's one of the things I really get in this, and it's a blend from multiple vineyards and things. And um, it's also one of the things I know they do with this is it, it predominantly is done in stainless steel, made in stainless steel. But they take a little percentage of it and put it in some large oak casks to give it some mouthfeel and kind of tamp down a little of that acidity. So is this got any oak on it? I can't tell. Not really. Not to speak of. Yeah. I get a little. Oh, man, that's good. It's awesome. Really good. I get a little bit in the mouthfeel, you know, in the, um, um, you know, kind of on the tongue and in, in the mouth. Um, it, 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 and it, again, it's a very lively wine. There's just a lot going on with it. It's but a little complex. No it's, you get no woody yeah. components. None no, of that. This is really but good. It, it's, it's got a really um, dynamic texture. And I think that comes from, yeah, they've used a little bit of old oak big barrels to kind of give it some texture, you know. So, And you can do a lot. Sauvignon Blanc um, uh, is a grape that does well in France and California, a lot of places. It likes warmer weather. It's in the same family, ultimately, of as Cabernet and Merlot, um, Petit Verdot, Cab Franc. It's in that same family. So it likes a little heat. It likes to kind of um, ripen up. Um, and you have to ripen it up fully. That's one of the things that get people in trouble with Cabernet and Merlot and Sauvignon Blanc is, is what it doesn't ripen all the way. It, it gets a very herbal, you know, kind of a green flowery yeah, flavor to it. And so uh, with Sauvignon Blanc, one of the things they've done over the years is they've learned to um, ripen it better on the vine. And one of the things they do is they remove some of the canopy, the leaves that protect the grapes as they grow, stop them from being sunburned, all that. But it also slows the ripening on them. And so some guys have learned, hey, if I take some of those leaves off, I can ripen it a little better. So talk to me a little bit about the weather in New Zealand when it comes to uh, that the, the warm climate. It appeals to me that there wouldn't be... It's actually a cooler. You're right. It's cooler. It's a, it's, a, it's what I would call a maritime... Um, okay. Um, um, like Portugal, that kind yeah, of... Yeah, because it's, 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 a, it's an island, you know. It's right. kind of two big islands, so you're, you're never very far from the ocean. And so that tends to not favor wines like it's funny Sauvignon Blanc Cabernet right. Merlot and they make some Cabernet Merlot there too but they gotta really work on ripening up but what what we've learned over time is is that 
you can ripen Sauvignon Blanc in that kind of a of a atmosphere, that kind of a temperature zone. But you got to work at it a little bit. But what it does is it gives it so much more dimension. There's so many more flavors and textures going on because it's a cool climate Sauvignon Blanc as opposed to a warm climate. I mean, you grow this in you grow Sauvignon Blanc in Bordeaux. It makes the Bordeaux white blends. And it's very strong and they're good. But that's not a cooler climate. Bordeaux is a warm climate. And so those wines are completely different. You know, they're they're broader. They're, they're a little more textured. But not like this. This, for me, captures the liveliness, the acidity, you know, the of what these wines have been for years. But they've also learned to make it wider, more expansive, get right. a lot more flavors right. going on. There's a ton of flavor in here. Yeah. This is, and here, here's the crazy thing. So, you know, I, I was at the point where I was drinking white before I would drink red. I'd never done red before because I right. always thought it was, you know, I didn't get it. Yeah. <laughs> so, and that's the way most people start. Yeah, they absolutely. start like that. And, and Yep. They go to white. They, you know, most wine drinkers start with something on the sweeter spectrum. Right. You know, a Riesling, a Muscat. A Boone's Farm. A Boone's Farm, that kind of stuff. <laughs> yeah. uh, and then and, and Americans, White Zinfandel played a big part of right, that because they right. were made sweeter. And then as you you're get a little more sophisticated, you graduate to, to whites that are less sweet, like Sauvignon Blanc and right. Chardonnay, Pinot Grigio to a lesser extent. Then you go to a, you know, you tend to move to light reds at that point, Pinot Noirs and and Gamay, and then you get into the serious, you right. know, the stuff right in your veins, the Cabernets and the Syrahs. Well, you know, I kind of lost the white thing for a yeah, while, you, you, and now, I mean, just in the last, since we started doing the podcast, I I embrace this yeah. now. These I mean, are I great. Think, well, and I, my thing is, is, is people who say to me, I don't drink white wine, or I don't drink red wine, right, right. I always kind of look at... You're, then you're doing something wrong. You're missing something. Right. You're not working hard enough. You know what I mean? I mean, go home and do your homework, you know? And that parson is because, you know, there are so many white wines, so many red wines. If you can't right. find something you like, that's a problem, you know? Then, you're, you're, right. then right. you're mentally, you know, saying, oh, I'm not going to drink. Now, I understand that you prefer to drink red over white. That's a whole different animal. But right. I get asked all the time, what's your favorite wine? What do you like? I'm like... I can't tell yeah, you. you can't. I like it's it. like, like what's your it favorite all. food? Yeah, you, know, you exactly. can't. <laughs> I, I like it all, and so um, I love Sauvignon Blanc, uh, well made. I love Chardonnay. That you know, um, uh, the you know white Burgundies and, and and other stuff like that. And so, and I like all that stuff. But I normally like the other night we got together, and what did we do? We had a bottle of white just to kind of wake up yeah. our palate yeah, to do whatever. Start it. And then what did we do? We eased right into the reds. Yes, and we did real quickly. Yeah. And so, uh, real quick, I want to yeah. just yeah, say thank you to uh, Rafael Crispino. Uh, yep. uh, it, it, this is a, a great uh, restaurant here that's uh, been here for I, I got, almost 10 years now, I think Has they it started. Been long now? Yeah, they I took over, so. like, this, they have two two restaurants, right? right? Kennesaw and the one in Vinings. Right, and they, they just opened one in Gainesville as oh, well. Oh, nice, so. okay. And the space they took over up in in Kennesaw was another Italian restaurant it was, kind yeah. of thing. Right. But they went right in there and they're both very nice looking. They have very well trained staff. The restaurants are the menu is is top notch. Right. And um yeah, we were there for dinner this this earlier this week and had yeah, a lovely time. It's so. called Crispina and uh I've known uh Rafi since he was uh a manager chef at Olive Garden years right. ago. And I had the uh, the the account I was doing, uh, gotcha. you know, uh, commercials for him, 
And uh, he came in and you know what? I hadn't seen him in like five years. And then I walked in there and there he was standing there. I didn't even know yeah. who he was. <laughs> it was like, so anyway, so he's, he's always great. He was there. Yep. He tried a wine that we, what was the name of the wine that we uh, gave him? It was an Italian oh, wine. It was from Puglia. I don't remember the name of it, but yeah. yeah, a real interesting, you know, little red blend from, from Puglia. Yeah. That so. was, th- I think that was the first red we opened and it was, it was I awesome. It was too. Yeah. yeah. And so, um, and, and there's, you know, they're great hosts. They do a wonderful job. Oh yeah. The Food is top notch, and they're, you know, they. I mean, I I go there much more than I care to. Admit, so. <laughs> One of the greatest things he did, he, he sent over a, a pizza that was, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, it it felt like it was some everything bagel on that, and and he did it. You do it dry, in the pizza oven, and then uh, you add prosciutto to it. But the prosciutto there was just yeah. soft and amazing ricotta cheese and uh a little arugula on the top season maybe with a little lemon juice olive oil and it was one of the best i will never get another see now i'm stuck now i'm gonna have to eat this every time i go in there just like you do yeah you know you eat the uh you eat the bean the, soup the don't lentil you? soup, lentil oh, soup. that's well, it i love yeah. lentils to begin yeah. with they're a very you know french product the, the french do a lot of lentils americans don't do a lot of lentils but they do this beautiful lentil soup oh, with all delicious. kinds of vegetables in there and sausage and a little pasta. And it's just stick to your ribs, man. Yeah, you know? yeah. So, I, so I get it pretty much every time. Yeah. So <laughs> if you're ever in Atlanta, yep. uh, you know, anywhere nearby, you, you should uh, make a trip. It's uh, right around the Smyrna area, Kennesaw area. And now there's one in Gainesville. So thanks, Rafi. We appreciate it. Okay. Now uh, back onto this wine. This is 13.5. Yeah, which for New Zealand's a little bit high. They've definitely have pushed the ripeness on this. Uh, but again, we talked is is you got these wines just if you don't ripen them up fully, they really they just are so acidic and so um, you know for me not particularly drinkable at that point. Right. Um, so this is you know currently around the market. It's probably about twenty bucks retail, which you know you can get Sylvian Bog from New Zealand for. 12 13 bucks around town and they're okay you know there's 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 some big producers what's happened in New Zealand is there's some big guys who come to the market and and have built very large wineries and do very well and they're very nice and they're very representative and they're on a lot of wine lists and then there are this these guys who are just really you know into more boutique and blending and and doing some different things in the vineyard to make the wines a little more interesting this is just for me a it's just a really fun wine. It's just got a lot going on, both in the nose and in the palate. So what about uh, availability? Is it? Uh... Um, it's out there some. Um, I have seen this in Atlanta. I bought this one from another market. Um, there's not, you know, it, it may be a challenge to find this. It's called Cru, C-R-U. There are some other Sauvignon Blancs from New Zealand that I that are this level too. There's one called. Um, Astrolab, I really like. There's another one called Dog Point that's okay. very good, and it's the same thing. It's guys who are, you know, who have taken who have taken it to the next level in this growing region. Awesome. All right, great wine. Thanks. Mm-hmm. That's it for this edition of Food Tips: The Basics and Beyond. Thanks to Steve Hart from Australia for mentioning us in his Just Jazz show. Check it out on the internet. Google the Just Jazz show. Thanks to Dino Fisher for the spectacular Vegas rundown. We'll catch up with him at Bahamar Resort in the Bahamas. Got to reach out to great pal Brady McGraw in Savannah with hot tips on cast iron restoration. Michael brought that fabulous crew Sauvignon Blanc from New Zealand. Let us know if you need help finding it. Dave Parker on production. Dave 
You are the best. You got questions? We've got answers. Write to me, radiojackson at gmail.com. Until next time, I am J.J. Jackson, and this is Food Tips, The Basics and Beyond. Ah!